Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to Literary Quest. This week we are talking about Bridge Kingdom by Danielle Jensen. It is the one of the books from Favreau Feb for week three. And we really enjoyed this. This was a book that neither of us have read before. So I am going to start with our character descriptions and location descriptions and Marissa will pick up with the plot. So we have Lara. She is our main heroine. She is 20 years old. She is described as having blue eyes, being fit and curvy with hair the color of honey. She is the daughter of the king of Meridrina. She has 11 half sisters. She and her sisters have spent 15 years secluded in a compound, learning how to be spies and being trained for one of them to become queen of Ithacana. It is noted that she was always in the top scoring when it came to combat. Eric is a master of arms. He has been like a father to Lara and calls her little cockroach due to her ability to always survive. Saren, also known as Magpie or the master of intrigue, he was one of the teachers at the compound and is known for being cruel, as he used to torture the sisters. Seraph, one of Lara's half-sisters, she is closest to Lara. Mary Lynn, another one of her half-sisters, she was originally picked to be the queen of Ithacana. Silas Belion, king of Meridrina and Lara's father, he is a man who always gets what he wants. He is described as having silver hair and blue eyes. Arin, the king of Ithacana and Lara's betrothed. According to what Lara and her sisters were taught, he is a cruel man. However, when Lara marries him, his actions don't match up with what she was taught. Anna, Arin's sister, princess of Ithacana. She is betrothed to the prince of Herendel for political reasons. She is also commander of Southwatch, which surprises Lara as she did not think there would be women in the military. Aster, one of Arryn's commanders. He is strongly opposed to the union between Arryn and Lara. He even recommends drowning her at one point. Jor, Arryn's captain of the guard and his friend. He is very wary of Lara and does not trust her. Taryn, Arryn's cousin and Lara's guard. She becomes somewhat of a friend to Lara as well. Nana, Arryn's grandmother and on his father's side, she is very candid candid and everyone fears her. It is mentioned that nobody ever says no to her. She also does not trust Lara. We have a couple of new locations. The Kingdom of Meridrina. This is Lara's home country. The country is impoverished. The citizens are barely getting by from the crops they harvest. Lara is told that this is due to high taxes on traded goods and high tolls put in place by Ithacana. We have the King of Ith- er, Kingdom of Ithacana. It is um, considered their enemy nation, it is shrouded in mist and made up of a series of islands stretching between two continents. The Meridrinians and many other countries hate them because they are able to control trade due to having access to the only safe bridge connecting the continents. Uh, we have Midwatch Island. The island is at the center of Ithacana. It is where Lara and Arryn spend most of their time in this book. We also have the Kingdom of Amarid, a country that continually attacks Ithacana. Marissa, you want to start with our plot? Sure. The Bridge Kingdom begins with our main character, Lara, and her sisters at a compound in the desert in Maradrina, where they have been training for the last 15 years. Their father, Silas Veliant, king of Maradrina, is coming to dinner to select from among his daughters who will marry the king of Ithacana, Aaron Curtell as part of a treaty for peace that was signed 15 years ago between Ithacana, Meridrina, and Herondel. His daughters have been training not just to be queen, but to be a spy and a tool that he may use to cripple Ithacana by learning the secrets of the massive bridge that links Ithacana together and which is used to control trade. Lara's sister, Mary Lynn, is the daughter anticipated to be selected. However, Lara, having learned that her father intends to kill the rest of his daughters who are not selected, has every intention of leaving the compound alive. 
During dinner, all of Lara's sisters die suddenly, and Lara reveals that she has poisoned them and that she will be the next queen of Ithacana. Her father accedes and has his soldiers murder every living soul at the compound, and they make their way toward Vincia, the Meridrinian capital. We find out that Lara has not actually killed her sisters, but given them poison to make them seem dead so they will wake and escape death at their father's hand. On the way to Vincia, Lara sees that her country has been ravaged. People are impoverished and struggling. The magpie, her father's spy master, prepares Lara for how she'll communicate with Meridrina from Ithacana and gives her an invisible ink to convey secrets and letters. Lara's father delivers her to Southwatch, an island of Ithacana's where she meets her betrothed. Lara and Arin are married on the pier at Southwatch and her father departs and she is knocked unconscious. She wakes in midwatch to Arin's sister, Anna, trying on one of her dresses. Lara is assumed to be a shrinking violet, sheltered and demure, and she uses Arin and his guards' underestimation of her to find out more about her new home. Arin meets with one of his commanders, Aster, who suggests that he drown Lara. Arin rejects this idea, stating that their country needs alliances and opportunities for growth because their economy is languishing with their only industry being the bridge. Like his mother, who ruled Ithacana before him, Arin wants Ithacana to grow into a country valued for more than its bridge, where they are able to grow rather than devote all of their resources to protecting the bridge. He sees Ithacana as a cage for his people, where they are enlisted in the guard to defend the bridge upon turning 15 and then tried for treason if they ever attempt to leave Ithacana. Meanwhile, Lara sets off into the jungle in search of the, of the bridge and quickly learn that, learns that Midwatch is a death trap. And if the actual traps that are laid throughout the jungle don't get you, the animals might. Arin finds her in the woods and concedes to leading her to a point where she's able to see the bridge. When, when raiders from Amarid arrive to attack the bridge, Lara follows Arin to see if she can learn more about the bridge and how it is defended and discovers a way into the bridge. In the weeks that follow, Lara largely avoids Arin and uses the time to gather information. She sends a letter to her father and his coded reply indicates that the people are starving and they've received rotten food from Ithacana's market, which keys her up to learn more about the bridge. Arin's grandmother demands to meet Lara, and so the next day, Arin, Lara, and members of his watch or guard, including Jor and Leah, make for Gemeyer, the island his grandmother lives on. Lara is unable to swim and is terrified of water, so when they make for Gemeyer via boat, she becomes very seasick, has a panic attack, which is frightening, but ends up working to her advantage as Arin concedes to traveling through the bridge with her blindfolded to avoid putting Lara through more terror. She still manages to learn things about the bridge though. They make it to Gemeyer where Aaron's prickly grandmother suggests that Lara stay with her for a few weeks as they are entering the calm season known as war tides where Ithacana's islands are more vulnerable to attack because the storms which normally serve as a fantastic defense for the area calm enough to allow raiders to attack Ithacana. Arin declines his grandmother's offer and they make their way back through the bridge when Sereth, an island part of the bridge kingdom, calls for aid as they're being attacked by the Amaridians. When they arrive, Sereth is heavily under attack. And so rather than wait for reinforcements, Arin and his guard take off to fight and leave Lara behind hidden. She sees that Arin and his guards will be overrun and decides to even the odds of it. So she takes out a dozen Amaridians before running into the village where she saves Aaron by killing the raider, Arin, by killing the raider who had just attacked him. As the war tides progress, 
and Midwatch is repeatedly attacked, Laura begins to realize that her perception of Ithacana is not completely accurate and that Aaron isn't the demon that she was led to believe he is. And she begins to feel conflicted about betraying a man who is only trying to do what is best for his people. And she also feels conflicted about betraying her country whose people are starving. Lara enlists Taryn to help her get used to the water by sitting in a canoe in their harbor. And in doing so, she's able to see the ships as they come in from battle and begins to work with the healers intending to injured soldiers. When Ayla, an outlying island, is attacked, Lara goes with Aaron and his guard to help until their shipbreaker, which is a catapult, and reinforcements can arrive. When they arrive, the beach is in chaos. She tries to help the healers, but Lara instead begins to run out onto the beach to save those that she can, dragging them up the beach to the healers thus earning the respect and some degree of trust from the Ithacanians and from Aaron. Aaron reveals to Lara that without the bridge, life would be extremely difficult for those who inhabit Ithacana's islands. But because of the taxes and the tolls that they charge, he is able to pay his subjects who drop their trades during the war, war tides to defend the bridge. One evening, Aaron returns to Midwatch, having been shot in the shoulder with an arrow, and Lara realized that she has feelings for him. Lara doesn't know how to cope with her feelings. And so she sneaks into Aaron's room and uses the invisible ink that she was given to write the secrets to breaking the bridge kingdom on every piece of stationery that Aaron has, knowing that one will make it to Maradrina eventually. The war tides end and on the morning that Lara and on the morning that Lara decides to fake her death to escape Ithacana, Aaron finds her and takes her to Sarath to welcome back the people who are evacuated to Arenal. She is flooded with guilt for betraying these people who've begun to accept her. And on their way back to Midwatch, Lara ends up saving Aaron by shooting a snake with an arrow, thus revealing her to be an exceptional marksman and more than what Aaron was led to believe. So Aaron realizes that Lara is actually a spy and he and his crew sail to an island where he's docked a Herondale ship that he stole. From there, they go to Vincia, where Lara is greeted with a vastly different view than the one she saw when she left. She learns that the people of Maradrina are suffering because of the king, because of his desire to attain weapons for the war against Falcata rather than feeding his people. Lara realizes that she has been manipulated, brainwashed, and lied to and is furious. So she takes off to the castle to kill the king, but realizes that acting rashly will likely result in failure. So she returns to the inn where, staying, where they're staying. The magpie finds out that Aaron is in town and though he doesn't yet know that Lara is as well, he basically threatens Aaron that if he doesn't do something about the Valkadans who are blocking Maradrina from receiving weapons, their peace treaty will end. Aaron and his company quickly get out of town, but the magpie realizes that Lara is with Aaron, which means he also realizes that she knows the truth about Maradrina. They attempt to capture Lara and narrowly escape. When they arrive back at Midwatch, Anna, Aaron's sister, confronts him about recklessly going to Vincia, and Lara nearly dies when she is knocked off the bridge. Aaron tired of Maradrina's threats, writes them a letter on his personal, personal stationery, telling them that Ethicana won't be threatened and won't tolerate any threats against Lara, and he gives it to Jor to be delivered. Lara sneaks into Aaron's room to destroy all of the stationery that she wrote on with invisible ink, not knowing that Aaron's letter has already been sent. Lara explains to Aaron her role as a spy in his kingdom and how he was represented to her and how she was brainwashed and their relationship grows. Aaron trusts her enough to take her to Arenal, where she flourishes with his people, but the damage has already been done. When they return back to Midwatch, they find that Mary Lynn has arrived and reveals that her father has promised her riches and that Lara has ruined everything for her. She holds Aaron at knife point and reveals the letter that Aaron wrote to the king and the invisible ink that was written upon it. Lara kills Mary Lynn, 
that the damage to her relationship with Arin is done. So what will become of them and Ithacana? Will Arin kill Lara or set her free? Will Ithacana fall to Meridrina? You'll have to read the book to find out. So this is your spoiler alert from here on. We'll be talking about all of the things if you want to know what happens. Keep listening. Otherwise, go get the book. It's fantastic. So I'm so glad we decided to follow along with Farofeb because this is yeah. another one of the books that I wouldn't have read otherwise. Right. No, no, I'd never heard of this author before um, until Farofeb po- posted about it. So yeah, I'm really glad that we we decided to kind of broaden our horizons with new authors here because it, I mean, this was such a spectacular read. It really was. Yeah, I I was so shocked just from the beginning where she kills her sisters. Like at yeah. first I thought, I don't know if I can support her. She just murdered all of her <laughs> sisters. I said, how am I going to kind of get over this? And then, you know, like a couple pages later, it just turned out to be, she, you know, knocked them all unconscious. And I was like, oh, good. But that was before I had already texted you. It was like, she killed all her sisters. Yeah. Yeah. But you're very good at not um, giving me spoilers. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. You're welcome. I did that. Too. I think I was at work. <laughs> oh, so you didn't even see the text until later. <laughs> until okay. later. But yeah. Um, I mean, it hooks you just right from the beginning. And then it's such a right, like, I was like slightly anxious through the entirety of this book. <laughs> I think I thought it was funny um, that, you know, they talk about how ruthless she is in the beginning when she kills her sisters. And I guess that, and she feels like she's pretty ruthless too, but there's definitely some compassion there if she's like not actually killing her sisters, but doing this to set them free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's mentioned later on. Oh, see, now I'm not sure which book it's mentioned in. Mm, see, mm. but it's about her like sacrificing herself, sort of her seeing it that way more than yeah. her seeing like the yeah. glory of it. Is right. Just- yeah. Or- it's mentioned in this book because okay. that's why Mary Lynn gets so, she calls her Lara the martyr mm. for sacrificing okay. herself. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's definitely, I mean, it's a, she's doing it out of compassion. I do like that they continuously, like they repeatedly refer to her as the little cockroach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Surviving. And she really is. Yeah. She survives so much. She does. She endures so much. I mean, it's just, it's outstanding. Mm -hmm. She, yeah, she's a, um, such a strong character she is really strong and I like her mantras to herself like I will live I will live I will live mm-hmm. I mean she does and it, it despite despite so much that really becomes more prominent in the second book but her her ability to persevere mm-hmm. is just astounding kind of took her a while to realize what was going on I mean, it did. I mean, I know she was brainwashed. Yeah. That makes it difficult, but. Yeah. This isn't, so kind of like the book that we talked about, the last book, A Touch of Darkness, where the character's been brainwashed by a parent. We have another character that's been brainwashed by a parent. And in both situations, it takes them a good bit of time to realize things are not quite the way that they appear. And it's I think it's hard, particularly for Lara, because she keeps getting the messages from her father, from the magpie about her people. So they know exactly how to manipulate her Mm -hmm. um, by telling her that the people are starving when, I mean, they are, but it's not because of Ithacana that they're starving. It's because of the king. It's because of her father. I guess when that's the way you've been raised since you were five, it would be hard to be able to see past that. I do think uh, as clever as she is, I find it surprising that she never questioned like the So like she talks about how she tried to escape one time to see um, a caravan that was going through the desert and the magpie like thrashes her. She's heavily punished and whipped because she tried to see 
what was going on. And he says like, you will ruin everything when he's punishing her. And so I find it surprising that in situations like that, she never started to question like the veracity of the things that she was being told. But again, the brainwashing. Right. I started off hating the King on the first, like I made a note in my Kindle, like on page nine, I already hate this guy. He says something super Hold on. Let me look it up. He says something super condescending about women. I'm like, all right, it's going to be this kind of guy. <laughs> That's great. Also, this book has a map and I really appreciate that. Yes. Love Especially because there were so many places and the, yeah. everything. Yeah. And it really helps with understanding like the, the structure of the bridge kingdom uh, yeah. and like the actual bridge nature, <laughs> the the bridge, the bridged nature of <laughs> this actual country. So it's a bunch of islands that are connected. It really, it helped with kind of understanding. Here's what he says. So he says, you are my most prized possessions. So first of all, children are not possessions. Of the 20 of my progeny who were brought here, you are all that survive. Okay. That you do, that you thrive, is an achievement for the training you've received would have been a test for the best of men. And you are not men. This freaking guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Like, start off page nine, already hating him. And he repeatedly mentions that women are inferior, and that's why they're not allowed to fight. And Laura is surprised when she goes to the Bridge Kingdom and finds that... uh, women do fight well and his sister the princess is the leader of the the guard at Southwatch, one of their more prominent islands mm-hmm. he was also i felt like so kind of short-sighted with the women yeah. like he he had all these other women that he could have married off to other i mean first off i don't agree with the whole marrying children off to right. alliances thing but it's, it happened yeah right and he yeah. had all of these other options that you know he could use yes daughters for, for yeah well and just think about like the financial investment mm-hmm. he had 20 dollars. the finances invested into feeding and housing and training because he had to pay the people that took care of them mm-hmm. i mean that's such a that's such a huge financial burden <laughs> for to raise 20 kids for 15 years and train them and then to kill the all but one of them mm-hmm. dude yeah I feel like that should have been a red flag in terms of like the state of affairs for Maradrina for Laura, for him to invest all of that and then kill everyone. Yeah. It was it's not smart financial practicing. I mean, (laughs) but yeah, I totally agree. They, I mean, they were trained to be spies. He could have married them to, um, regents or kings or royalty in other countries and had them infiltrate them as spies and build his power as the king but he just chose to kill them mm-hmm. i know it seems like we're planning. i mean it's obviously a waste yeah if i were the king <laughs> <laughs> if i were the king and i had all i would have kids. married off all of my children <laughs> magpie is awful 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 we don't see too much of him in this book really we see the majority of him in the next book but such an awful person like so the memory she has of being whipped yeah i think is this book Mm -hmm. um so we know he's awful that way um yeah and she she has a dream where she's waterboarded right right and that's buried in sand Oh yeah. Is she yeah. Yeah. Um and it's the magpie that's doing it. Yeah. The magpie did all of that. And he loved it and he loves doing it. Yeah, torturing. Um I feel like the uh, Eric Master of Arms wasn't quite as awful. I mean, well, yeah. No, I mean, Laura sees him as like a father figure to her. Right. 
Right. And he arranged the situation so that she would find out that her father planned to kill all of them. Right. Which makes me wonder from the beginning, because he did have a spot, a soft spot for her. Did he do that just so that he, she could survive or, I mean, if he was really close to her, did he do that knowing the type of person that she was, that she would try to do something to save her siblings? I don't know. I I mean, he's so, he's in there so briefly that I can't really get a read on like what his motivation was other yeah. than to at least alert Lara of what was going on to go into thinking like if whether or not, you know, he knew that she would somehow save her sisters. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And like save their kingdom that just seems especially because he was a master master of arms yeah in her mainly in combat yeah i don't it's just like he says this one thing to so she has she we get like a little flashback um around the middle of the book and he's talking with her so he calls her little co- cockroach affectionately mm-hmm. he says your father is a man who needs control little cockroach he can control every variable here. He can control every variable, but outside true control is beyond even a King's power. Your life is as it is out of necessity, my girl, but it won't be this way forever. So I wonder if it sounds like they had a fairly close relationship. I mean, as close of a relationship as one can have with like someone who's employed by your father. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder if he was able to see her potential. Yeah. And tried to give her this situation so that she could make more out of it than just what they were raised to be. Yeah. Him slitting his own throat was really brutal. Like, I know. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. No, I wasn't either. It was like, okay, I guess I'm going now. Dead. <laughs> okay. And the magpie's like such dramatics. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> yeah, was, like, why would he kill Eric but not the magpie? Right? Because Eric assumed that he would kill him. Like, I mean, is it, I feel like that Eric would be super useful to the king still, yeah. like in terms of a trainer and master of arms, you know, back yeah. at the capital, I guess. Um, and he keeps the magpie around as his own personal torture. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he has a different, <laughs> maybe he has a different master of arms at his castle. I mean, if he chooses to kill himself, that at least has, gives him some control over his fate. Yeah. I mean, that whole scene where they burn down, you know, they kill everybody in the compound and burn it down is just sad and brutal. It is. It's really brutal. Him cutting his throat. I just wasn't expecting that. Yeah. So, so there's some other flashbacks in the book from our heroine or from, you know, Lara's point of view Mm -hmm. about... I think one of them was the first time they had to kill someone, mm-hmm. right? And I just felt so bad for Laura at that time and for her sisters because she says, you know, killing is my specialty. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, I mean, that sounds like super awesome, you know, like, oh, yeah. killing's my specialty. But when you think about it, she's so young. She was so young when she had to do that had to kill someone and she was being tortured and I just feel like all of our heroines just have so much trauma (laughs) (laughs) a lot of the time like I know it's to you know like build them up and all that but man having to kill someone when you're a child yeah and then it's not just that it's after they injure maim the people that they're trying to that they're training with because they Mm -hmm. they're prisoners basically the ones that they're having to fight or kill they have to sew them up they have to fix their injuries yeah oh the guilt how do you compartmentalize that i don't know well then you you know you think oh i'm good at this this is something i'm good at being proud of it killing is my specialty 
yeah. you know, so you t- turn it into something that you can be proud of because right. you're deadly, right. which I mean, definitely could have those skills, but oof, still having to develop those skills just to begin with. It's not no. fun. No, it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was just really impressed with the Ithacan, Con- what do we call it? Ithacanians? Mm-hmm. as a people um i think they're it's terribly clever of them to so they hide their faces behind masks anytime they interact with outsiders so they they won't ever be discovered for who they are which i think is really smart because that's what rn uses to basically spy for ithacania or mm-hmm. ithacana and it allowed him to travel to different places and kind of get the vibes and and plant like communicate with people which is really smart and that ends up um working his advantage up until they go to vincia so he can show laura what the situation really is like and the magpie recognizes him based on a scar that's on his hand because he'd always worn gloves up to that point i mean i just they're ter- they're so resilient they've gotten they're so clever at the way that they use the weather um to protect their islands and that they implant traps and they use they've trained the sharks to Mm. come uh to different areas at certain times of well during the war tides Uh, i think that they've made great use of the resources that are available to them in protecting their kingdom and themselves they're just they're very resilient and I like that me too I I, you know and they were the thing that's sad about that though is that that's everything that's dedicated to like all their resources are dedicated to all of this and I think um Lara does say at some point like I imagined you had this like golden castle Mm -hmm. but it's like no all of this money is going towards basically fighting off people yeah you know, from attacking us. And he laments that his people don't really have hobbies and they don't really get a good education because of this issue, which is why he wants to, you know, um, create peace between the nations so that his people have a better chance of, you know, learning different skills and stuff like growing yeah yeah he say he says like they they've stagnated basically yeah Yeah. it's kind of it's kind of created this like vicious cycle right so Mm -hmm. the bridge kingdom controls trade and they enact these fantastic these very large tolls and taxes but the money goes to pay his people so that they'll protect the bridge kingdom and because of the money people think that they have a ton of money so they try to raid the kingdom so he needs his people to protect the kingdom like there's no escape right um yeah i feel like he gets criticized a lot in this book for being a dreamer for wanting more for his people and his mom wanted more for his people um he's just trying to follow through with his her wishes and his wishes for his own there's that scene where he has gotten a message about the two 15-year-olds who mm. had tried to escape because they didn't want to be, they wanted more for their life than just to be soldiers. And he regrets that, I mean, the punishment for trying to escape is treason because, or is uh, death because it's treason. But at, at like, I just, at 15, the heaviness of the situation that you're going into at 15 and like Taryn's story. So that it's not that people, the young folks at least don't have the dreams. Taryn shares that story with Lara about how she wanted to go to Harendel, I think, to study music, to be a musician. And she didn't, and she never told her parents about her dreams or wishes because there's no other alternative. Yeah. That's kind of a, a, I feel like for young people, that would be, it would almost instill like a, an attitude of hopelessness. So 
about the future, right? Definitely. I mean, all they see is their entire life is going to be, okay, at some point they work, you know, doing their trades, whatever, and then, but then the other half of the year they're fighting mm-hmm. all the time. That's, again, a cycle of this, of war and violence that mm-hmm. they just can't get out of. Yeah. And Aaron wants them to get out of. Did you like Nana? No. Okay, I could not tell if we were supposed to like her because like, haha, she's this funny old person or not. Like, because I did not like her at no, all. I didn't like her. Okay. She was hateful. She was. I mean, she ended up being right, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, she was right, but she's also hateful. Mm-hmm. She's not a likable character. Oh. That grumpy, that grumpy grandma. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the thing. I wasn't sure if that was what the author was going for. Like, like are we supposed know. to be charmed by how mean she is? Like, right. I don't know. Okay. I mean, she's shrewd. She's very wise. Um, she's a brilliant healer. She's all of these, you know, she's got good qualities, but like warm, fuzzy grandma is not one of them. <laughs> yeah. When Laura, um, Laura poisoned her a little bit, so <laughs> she... I was like, yay. Yes, when she ends up uh, with the runs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that whole bit was, you know, just an example of how, like, well-trained Laura is, I guess. So she knew kind of exactly how much poison to use so she didn't die. Right. You know, but just had, you know, bowel issues. And then also when she then goes to the bridge to observe it, right, she sneaks out to mark uh, mark the bridge um and then hearing that they're going back to the uh, you know she's hearing Aaron and I think Jor talking and they're like oh well let's leave now we've got to go get Laura and then she's like uh-oh and then she races back but they yeah. get there first and she goes oh I was going to the bathroom yeah. <laughs> and what goes through her head right before that was people like oh man it was something like so when she was writing in that invisible ink oh Oh, gosh my heart yeah I yeah so right before she does that she has that confrontation with Aaron so they are in they were planning to have dinner and she was gonna um poison him so that she could start implementing her plan to betray the bridge kingdom and he doesn't show up for dinner and she's like really worried about him and so they go down to the harbor and he's been shot mm-hmm. and that really like as the arrow is being removed they have this like kind of intimate moment and she realizes like she's so worried about him and she realizes that she has feelings for him I just thought what a jarring experience that must be for her yeah. part of her training in her child like for the last 15 years has been loving things as a weakness and so she must have like that 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 must have been such a oh, hard situation for her to cope with to realize she had feelings for the person that she's been training for the last 15 years to destroy yeah I mean just in general her feelings are all over the place because she's completely completely lied to about mm-hmm. what happens in Ithacana you know and she was told that Aaron is this horrible evil monster demon person and he ends up being like insanely nice really protective of his people really mm-hmm. respectful of her yeah you know and ugh, gosh you know it's yeah. She's in a bad situation. She's having a lot of feelings that she hasn't had for the first time in her life too. Right. And doesn't know how to cope with it. And so yeah. her, her reaction when Aaron, like in that, and in that situation, he's like begging her to help him change things, to help him in this cycle. And she's like, it's never going to end and you're going to die trying. And then just in not understanding what to do with those feelings that's when she takes that moment and she writes in the invisible ink oh gosh my heart just sank 
Yeah, I know. I mean, like, I knew it had to happen. And then when yeah. he wrote that letter, so then she destroyed Ugh. all the papers, except for, so she thought she counted all of them, right? Remember, there were like 32 or 34 or something. Yeah. But so one would have been missing if he hadn't put that other paper in yeah. there. And I was like, oh, no. So she would have known if he hadn't done that. Yeah. <sighs> I know. Just... I know. Ugh. Like, from that point. So when I got to that point in the book, I couldn't take it anymore. When he wrote the letter, it was like 81% of the way into the book. Like, I could not take the anticipation anymore. I had to know what was going to happen. So I skimmed it and then <laughs> bought and jumped straight into the second book. <laughs> like I went back last night and did like a thorough read of the last 20% of this book because we were going to be talking about it. <laughs> well, after he sent that letter, I had like such a hard time enjoying because she's like, she gets yeah. to know all the people. It was so hard to enjoy that. because I was like, I, uh, they're going to attack when's it gonna happen when's it gonna happen yeah yeah and I got to the point where I was hoping I was like oh maybe the letter didn't make it you know and I was like logically I know that didn't that's not what's going on and that that can't be what happens but oh god yeah agree that was so so hard it was so hard and knowing too that she was enjoying herself and yeah. feeling free, right? Because she yes. mentions that after she burns it, she felt free, and like, and then I. But I know I was like, yeah. Laura, I know what's gonna happen." Yes, knowing that it was all gonna come crashing down. Yeah. So, oh, this, the so dread. the suspense there too. Oh God, I understand why you skipped ahead. I did not because I have self control. <laughs> <laughs> up you are just as bad as me just in different ways yes it's true so when they go to snake island and lara ends up shooting that snake and Arn realizes that she's not actually what she's been presenting herself as like the oh gosh the I don't know if we would call that bravery the recklessness the balls when he you know they he take he like he has them dress up and masquerade as Herendelians and they go into Vincia so that she can see that situation like what what kind of king does that (laughs) (laughs) I know and then he's ready so he knows you know that she could betray him and they follow her Mm-hmm. to watch and he's like almost ready to like shoot her with an arrow and kill her mm-hmm. but she turns at the last minute I was like oh. I know mm-hmm. so, like again the anticipation I was so relieved mm-hmm. but also knowing it's gonna get worse yeah yeah for sure um oh gosh yeah the the anticipation I like her so she from the beginning talks about they they kind of talk about how like reckless she is and why that wouldn't make her a good queen because she can't control her temper or her anger um there's a really good she has a really good memory of with Eric here where he says to her at some point in the past do not let your temper get the better of you little cockroach for when you do you risk your enemies getting the better of you Mm -hmm. um that that comes in with her like backing away from going to kill the king, which is what she resolves to do when she realizes how 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 she's been manipulated, how she's been brainwashed and lied to, and how the her father is actually the one that's orchestrated the poverty that her people live in. She yeah. goes to kill him, and then it's this moment where she's like, "Wait, I need to plan better than this." That's amazing self restraint. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Yeah. In that moment. And definitely it's also saved her life from, you know, Aaron killing her. Right. Too. Yeah. She has that niggling feeling that that it's her instincts telling her, like, okay, I need to back out of this situation. Yeah. Which I think is I don't I can't remember now if her instincts were maybe telling her all along that things were not as they were pe- appeared and she was ignoring them because of the sense of duty and 
whatever that she was supposed to be doing in Ithacana. But mm-hmm. those instincts. Gotta follow them. I, yeah. I, my instincts aren't good, though. Well, I would die. I probably would, too. I would have been, like, one of the first uh, daughters down, though. Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> like, when it comes to killing a person, you're like, uh, I guess I'm going to die. I feel like in every book we would, in every yeah. book we read, it's like, we would be dead already. <laughs> Maybe know. that's why we enjoy these books so much, because <laughs> the, the main character is so contrary to what we are. <laughs> Maybe. I can't imagine. Like, I, I know I've said multiple times while we've talked about books, like, I'm a coward and Vicky can't tolerate pain. So, the first torture session, she would be out. And <laughs> the first time we had to hurt somebody, I would be out. So, <laughs> so after they come back, so there's much tension mm-hmm. um, from when they escape Vincia and when they escape the magpie. And they come back. And Anna confronts them. They're like on top of the bridge and Anna confronts them and she goes to push, um, she goes to push Aaron and Laura jumps in front of him and Anna pushes her off the bridge. That I was, I had so much anxiety in that scene. It was so tense because it's like, well, she can't swim. She's now in the waters, which are shark infested. And Aaron jumps in after her and then she has to like swim and she's trying not to die and the sharks are oh gosh (laughs) I was so stressed out (laughs) so I know that um Lara you know she sacrificed herself basically to save her sisters and then um Mary Lynn, you know, she comes back and is like betrays or well, you know, uh, what happens with Mary Lynn? You know, she comes and is like, look, she wrote this letter and um, she has Aaron at knife point and uh, Lara has to kill her, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt so badly for her in that moment. And like, because she did, again, so much to save her sisters and you know she thought they would be happy but nope uh at least mary mary lynn wasn't and then um the other thing was is that laura had been like oh i don't think she'd be good at it you know in the beginning she had told the story about how mary lynn had um you know taken care of a kitten and how she was sweet and she didn't think she'd be able to follow through yeah right so i was like do you think Mary mary lynn was tricking everyone at the compound or yeah. yeah 100% which is really clever yeah I mean except that it didn't really end up working out in her favor to, in her favor <laughs> to trick everyone because Laura um killed her mm-hmm. killed her I was surprised when her sister showed back up I thought I, I wasn't anticipating it being her sister who um showed up to try to kill her and, yeah. and Aaron. Um, if anything, I thought I, I might have been like just her her dad like bringing in all out war or maybe sending an assassin, but I didn't anticipate it being one of her sisters. Yeah, me either. Although her brother comes for like a tour at one point. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I thought maybe I thought something was going to happen then. It's well, like right it before this. Yeah, it's like yeah, right it, before this. As this is but happening. I thought, yeah, so I thought that it would be him. It would be that. Yeah. yeah. I thought it would be that. I didn't expect her sister either. Mm-mm. Yeah. So that was a good twist. Mm-hmm. All the twists. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so stressed out. Uh-huh. So when Mary Lynn shows up and she reveals the letter that Lara wrote, and I mean, the penny drops the devastation that they both experience but especially that are in experiences um, my heart just hurts for for both of them for for different reasons um and she she tries to explain her actions to Aaron. she tries to explain like i didn't intend for this to happen 
I thought I destroyed all of the letters. This wasn't part, like I wanted, and he knew this. I wanted, she wanted to, she planned to betray them initially, but things changed. And she fell in love with him. And so uh, she tries to defend herself because it, after she learns the truth, she doesn't intend for her father to have that information about the bridge. But I want, like, do you feel that she deserves to be forgiven by Aaron and his people in this situation? Because it wasn't her intention to harm them in the end, even though it was in the beginning. Objectively, if I was, if I was in this situation, I would absolutely say, no, she does not deserve forgiveness. You know, like, okay, it may not have been her intention, but also hundreds and hundreds of people died anyway. Yeah. You know, like at some point that's, oh, I didn't intend for that to happen. Okay. But the, the, still, um, but I think, I mean, knowing the character, knowing all the events that lead up to it, I definitely feel that she should be forgiven and um Aaron you know I he most likely um well hopefully will forgive her um because he loves her so there's that in it I personally hold a grudge forever <laughs> and ever but yeah so from on a personal level and from an objective level so looking at this if I was Aaron I don't think I'd be able to forgive her if I was one of the citizens, I would not be able to forgive her no matter what. Like, oh, I didn't right. intend for this to happen. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It happened like my family died because of your yes. actions. Yeah. What about you? I, I'm inclined to agree. I think, I think it would be really hard to trust her because even though she destroyed all of the, she thought she destroyed all of the, the stationery, there's still a level of deception here right? So she could have told him the truth. She could have said, I, I know this may affect how you feel about me, but I wrote an invisible ink on all of this stationery because I knew eventually you'd be writing a letter. She could have been upfront about the situation and she chose not to be because it would most likely severely impact his perception of her. Um, and I understand why she chose not to do that, right? So as someone who has never really felt love from other, like I'm, she sort of had, I mean, sort of had like halfway loving relationships with some of her sisters, I guess. But, um, and she was loved by her mother when she was a child, but for the last 15 years, she's not really had that type of relationship with anybody. And so for her to finally have something like that, to finally get to the point where she feels a little bit liberated, to finally have people who care about her it would it would be terrifying and i mean heart-wrenching probably destroy her um to have that taken away so i understand why she elected to just de secretly destroy the stationery instead of telling and, and instead of being upfront with rn about it but that's still deceptive that's still dishonesty and so I would hope you know you hope that forgiveness happens but if it didn't I would understand why and for his people I'd yeah I would agree I don't think that I would if I was one of his subjects forgive her in that situation because of the I mean she brings an entire kingdom to its knees because of her actions for Aaron I just can't I can't imagine the guilt and the betrayal that he must feel because he loved her and because of his love for her, his kingdom has fallen. Like he compromised the safety of his people because of that. So it's not just that he's been betrayed. It's that because of his actions, he betrayed his people as a whole and they are suffering and dying because of it. It's hard on both of them. I guess, yeah. but I mean, my, my heart broke for really both of them when yeah. it happened. It really did. And I, I mean, just, yeah. Ugh. And that's a testament to how good the writing is to yeah. 
was so invested in these characters and the relationship that I was, you know, just devastated along with them. Yeah. How do you feel at the end when he, so when everything's revealed, he like binds her hands, puts a, a pillowcase over her head and they spirit her away. And then she eventually, they stop moving. It gets quiet. She takes the pillowcase off and it's just him sitting with a knife in his hands. And he lets her go, but tells her he never wants to see her again. And if he does, he will kill her. And then it ends with her, like her running off. And then she looks back and he fires an arrow and it just grazes her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know he... I- think he missed on purpose yeah right yeah. <laughs> um but I think that was really maybe a shock to her yeah as well but I I don't think that she didn't deserve that treatment you yeah. know from him right I think that's completely justified on, well I mean I don't know I guess firing an arrow at someone isn't exactly but I think his treatment of her is in like terms of you know sending her away and being like don't ever come back I don't want to see you again you know, the sort of thing that's completely justified. His, I think his feelings are totally justified. I think it's like generous on his part because his people would 100% be calling for her execution. So for him to allow her, like to give her the opportunity to escape, mm-hmm. I mean, I would almost think that his people, if they knew that that was the case, that he had her and had the opportunity to kill her and let her go. Yeah. I would think his people would be upset with him for that. So at the end, <laughs> we yeah. find out that the king has been captured. Right. My heart was in my throat, which is why I stayed up until three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so for our quotes, I picked Alive Isn't Living. This is a quote from Aaron's mother. And I picked it because people just tend to forget this, not just in this book, but in real life. So just surviving isn't the same thing as living and enjoying your life. Um, Having the opportunity to better yourself, better your life and experience what the world has to offer is something that now has become a privilege, you know, which is terribly sad, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not fair that people, you know, who uh, remain in poverty can't, you know, they just get by, you know, they they can't really live. Mm Um, and, it, you know, obviously in this country um, that she created, you know, that's what's happening to these people. Right. And it's happening in um, Lara's country as well. It's just, it's so sad. And in real life, it happens. You know, these people, sure, they're not dead. Mm-hmm. But what is life if that's your just measure of of it? Great, I'm not dead. Yeah. So that was my bummer of a quote, Marissa. <laughs> you make it. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point with that, though. And that's really what I, that's what Aaron is striving for in this book is to make it so that his people can do more than just get by. Um, I do have a quote. So mm-hmm. when after Laura goes to the castle, bent on killing her father, and decides to just go back to the inn and get very drunk. Aaron carries her upstairs and he says, since the moment I set eyes on you in Southwatch, there's been no one but you. Even if I'm a fool for it, there will never be anyone but you. And my heart just like, oh, yeah, it's so sweet, which makes the betrayal even worse. But uh, yeah, I just love, I love that. Do you have any final thoughts on the book? Oh, gosh. I loved this book. Even though it stressed me out, I enjoyed it so much. And the second book, I mean, was just as good, if not better, than the than the first one. So we'll be covering the second one at some point because it was outstanding. Uh, but if you read this book, you will want to jump straight into the second, the second book. So, uh, you know, manage your time appropriately. <laughs> What about you, Vicky? 
yeah this book was great but it it messed with my heart i was destroyed at the end <laughs> like destroyed and i like you said needed to start the second one immediately because i just had to know what would happen and oh the second book oof, that was i can't wait to talk about it yeah i know um but yeah i had to it was great and really tugged on my heartstrings and stress yeah <laughs> yeah all right so that was the bridge kingdom by danielle jensen next week we'll be discussing a book called warrior god by eliza rain and rose wilson um, this is going to be our week four or pick for the faro fab authors that they'll be supporting that week so we hope you join us thank you Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.